Hello and welcome to the Americano podcast, a series of discussions about American politics and the Trump presidency for the New Spectator USA website. I'm joined today uh, for the first time in a while by Jacob Harbron, who is editor of the National Interest and a columnist for Spectator USA. And we're going to be talking about Trump's nationalism. Uh, so, Jacob, the big news of the week, really, as far as Trump is concerned, is that he uh, set fire to the global conversation again on Twitter by attacking uh, what he calls well, what people are calling the squad, which is four Democratic uh, congresswomen, four quite radical dem- Democratic congresswomen, um, and encouraging them because of their uh, immigrant backgrounds um, to go back home if they don't like America. And he has done it on Twitter and also uh, at a press conference. Uh, and then again on Twitter, he hasn't sort of let it go. He's doubling down, uh, as they say. Um, there's, a, there's a theory among Republicans that what Trump's doing is quite clever in a way, in that for all the uh, people calling him racist, uh, he's deliberately highlighting uh, this sort of quite radical fringe of the Democratic Party and putting it front and centre of the news agenda. Um, do you think he's being clever or is he just gabbing off madly on Twitter? I think it's a bit of a bit of both. He initially responded with his gut, but he also has a feral instinct for power. And his mission is to tar the Democratic Party with the positions that Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez and other members of her so-called squad exemplify. And he is arguing that far from being a racist himself, it is they who are racists and socialists, and that they they are the true face of the Democratic Party in 2020, and that this will allow him to ride to victory by rousing his base He wants to be the Paul Revere sounding the alarm about what has occurred to the Democratic Party in the past four years. Isn't there a danger, though, that this could backfire in that uh, rather than sort of dividing the Democrats or or, um, putting people off them, uh, he's actually uniting them and uh, binding them together in the sort of hate in the hatred of him? Yes. I mean, personally, I think it's morally reprehensible and it is a high risk strategy. He's assuming that there are that there's a sufficient so-called silent majority in America that will cotton to these attacks. And the likely prospect is that he will not only continue to follow this course, but to try and up the ante as much as possible. Now, he barely won election in 2016, and that was only because the independents lurched to him in the final days of the campaign. He may be committing the error that the GOP suffered from in the midterms when the politicians who really banged the drum about immigration problems and on race went down to defeat in states like Virginia. So it is possible that Trump will go down to a colossal defeat in 2020. On the other hand, I'm not sure that he has any other cards really to play. I mean, the economy is strong, but he thrives on conflict. And to be blunt, I think he'd be bored if he simply sailed calmly to victory. That's just not his style. But he's right, isn't he, to think that um, uh, not because of the 
uh, racial background or anything like that, but that these congresswomen are too radically to the left of where the American middle is. They are. On the other hand, they do represent their districts and no, no differently than, say, a right wing Republican would from from Texas, Alabama and so forth. Yes, so for but him these to are say districts that, that Trump is never going to win. Anyway, no, right? I mean, no. But I I don't know whether he can really turn a couple congresswomen into the the poster children of the Democratic Party. It seems to me that the Republicans are better off focusing on Nancy Pelosi and others as as uh, as their adversaries. But Trump is trying to go for the jugular. But also, oddly, he's sort of trying to be on, I mean, perhaps ironically, but he's being on Nancy Pelosi's side. He's saying, you know, uh, it's very difficult for her with these crazy radicals in her party. Formally, though, he's he's now going after Pelosi as well. I mean, he was obviously trying to heighten the internal contradictions of the Democratic Party. The real question is, has he, in fact, saved the Democrats from their own civil war by attacking Ocasio-Cortez and the others in such a vicious fashion. And so this could end up boomeranging. But uh, let's talk about the, the, the so-called sort of nativist spirit at the heart of those Trump sentiments, because a lot of people uh, in response to Trump today on the right have been uh, quoting Reagan, who said uh, famously, if you go to Germany, uh, you can't be a German. If you go to Turkey, you can't be a Turk. But if you go to America, you can become an American. And, and he said, sort of suggested that that was the great American ideal. And in fact, that is American nationalism. Whereas Trump uh, is reaching towards a, a kind of nationalism that is a little older and perhaps even European, wouldn't you say? Exactly. Now, interestingly, there's a conference taking place here in Washington with a number of high profile participants. It's called National Conservatism. And it has John Bolton, the National Security Advisor, speaking today. Yesterday, Tucker Carlson spoke. And tonight, Senator Josh Hawley will be speaking, giving the final address of the conference. And the conference has been very careful to steer clear of any white nationalism. But at the same time, it's arguing that American conservatism needs to reboot, that there needs to be a conservatism 2.0 that focuses on the nation as the ultimate good. And they are trying to, they're arguing that in fact, corporations, as Tucker Carlson yesterday maintained, uh, pose a threat to American nationhood. So, it's it's a the, we are witnessing a new era in the American conservative movement. There's no question they are cutting their ties to the free market era of Ronald Reagan. And they are also abandoning the idea of America as an empire abroad. And it's it's perhaps no coincidence, is it, that Trump is uh, tweeting about um, not just uh, Tlaib and, and sort of nation, and hitting on nationalist themes, but also Peter Thiel's speech at this very conference, um, in which he said that uh, Google uh, needed to be attacked by the state, effectively. Um, yes. And could that be just because 
Trump is watching Tucker Carlson on Fox? Or could it be that Trump is sort of aware of the ideological push that this conference is is aiming to achieve? Um, I doubt that Trump has the slightest knowledge of this conference, but he is friends with Peter Thiel and he, he did see it on Fox. Now, Thiel's remarks fit in nicely with the broader thrust of the conference, which is that corporations should not be exempt from scrutiny and can, in fact, exert a pernicious effect on American society. One of the speakers today was talking about the dissemination of pornography by the major web providers. Others point to the the collapse of the American family in the Midwest, the hollowing out of jobs and, and shifting them to China. So in some ways, and the the Republican Party in its uh, the animus that's being expressed towards big business is sounds in some ways like the old Democratic Party. And there are Tucker Carlson, for example, praised Elizabeth Warren's book, The uh, Two Income Trap, as one of the best books that he's read in recent years. So there, something is definitely changing in, in America and in the conservative movement. The question is, will this allow the conservative movement to grow or will it condemn it to impotence electorally? But there's a there's a, a a sort of connecting tissue here, which is between the the Trump tweets and the conference, which is Israel. In that, uh, the one thing that Ilan Omar, probably the most notorious now of the of the Democratic squad, uh, is most known for, is her supposed anti-Semitism. Uh, and at this conference, there was also a strong. Um, Freddie, Israel. why do you why do you say supposed? Well, I mean, uh, what what she said that that when someone says it's all about about the Benjamins, I I think it's pretty clear. You think that's outright anti-Semitism? Yes. Okay. Well, I I pass no judgment. I I don't know one way or the other. But it seems to me it's sort of flirting with anti-Semitism without being definitely, definitely. I don't know that she's a hardcore anti-Semitism, but even going down the path that she has repeatedly is a, I would say, a sinister sign. Well, I'm certainly not going to fall on my sword defending Ilan Omar, but I, but what I was getting at was that there is a sort of, there is a theme here, which is, uh, in the, there's a theme in the conference, which is Israeli nationalism, uh, and and how that is a sort of, fu- is, is a future-proof form of nationalism. And you have this sort of uh, concerted effort to, uh, attack Ilan Omar because of her anti-Semitism. Is, are these two things connected or am I joining dots in a sort of vague Right. So I'm, I'm not sure that there's an overt discussion about Israeli nationalism at the conference. It, it was one of the guiding spirits is Yoram Hazoni, who's written a book defending uh, nationalism. And Scott McConnell, interestingly, the former uh, editor of the American Conservative recently wrote a piece called Two Cheers for Israel that lauded Israel as a, a nation state that was prepared to defend itself. So there, there are some overtones, I suppose. But the real, the real issue is, can a respectable nationalism be constructed 
in the United States, or is it doomed? Is Trump simply going to lurch out of control, or is he is he indeed lurching out of control and dooming the project? I suppose another uh, question that comes out of it is: Can you, regardless of Trump, which is, I realise is a hard thing to disregard, but regardless of Trump, this this new nationalism is seems to be being constructed out of the shell of the Republican Party, and it actually totally junks uh, libertarianism and a sort of faith in free markets. How is it possible that the Republican Party can transform itself into uh, a kind of Tucker Carlson-like left-right alliance um, in the future, having come from a background where it's been the force for free markets in the world for so long? Well, parties do morph and they do change their identities. And if Trump were to be reelected, I think that would be decisive. Trump already has the Republican Party unconditionally deferring to him at this point. And his reelection would be seen as a seal of approval from the American public that, in fact, he is on to something that everyone else missed and that his forays into nationalism, far from weakening the party, can only strengthen it. Do you think that he might have to rename the Republican Party at some point? No. These parties are always, to some degree, shells. I mean, Reagan also engineered what amounted to a hostile takeover from the right. Don't forget that the Republican Party was pretty mainstream in the 1950s and early 60s. And the right was very disenchanted with the GOP. And many, a number of people at the National Review even saw Richard Nixon as a trimmer and not a true conservative. It's no accident that it was called the Reagan Revolution. Perhaps we're witnessing the Trump Revolution today, which annihilates what Reagan constructed. But these uh, intellectual currents, as this conference probably is, they tend to be way uh, the the mainstream are or way out of sorts of where the mainstream are. I mean, how viable are they or are they retroactively constructing an edifice around Trump? Are we witnessing the reverse engineering here where the intellectuals this time were behind the curve and in fact are now rebranding themselves as nationalists? Well, yes, or or they're, they're seeing a sort of nationalism that isn't necessarily there. That's also possible. But uh, the, the belief the belief is that Trump has, in fact, tapped into something that has to be operationalized in the future for the GOP, that, in fact, the notion that the GOP needs to reach out to minorities and expand its base is flatly false. That's the theory that Trump is operating on right now. But isn't there a theory within it that the GOP can reach out to minorities using nationalism? Maybe. At that point, though, nationalism becomes such an elastic term that I don't know. It, it may be politically, it may be a useful and powerful term. It may allow the Republican Party to reinvent itself without actually changing its policies that much. That's another possibility. And how blood and soil do you think Trump nationalism is? I mean, we, we touched on this a little bit earlier, but it, it, it doesn't seem to me to be very blood and soil at all. It's, it's, a, it's America first, but it's not white Americans first. Although, of course, Pelosi, Nancy Pelosi has said that's exactly what it is. 
Well, it depends on on what you think, as as you're pointing out, his detractors and the, the Democratic Party will go all out to link Trump to white nationalism and and tar him or or depict him as a as a hardcore racist. And uh, Trump is going to fling that form of identity. He's going to practice practice his own form of identity politics and accuse the Democrats of being hypocrites. And what we really are, are seeing, I guess, is the balkanization of America and the rise of identity politics and forms of political correctness in each political party. And do you think, I mean, it's been a while since you've been on the podcast. How are you thinking about 2020 now? Are you thinking Trump is now wildly flirting with this nationalist rhetoric because he's in a bit of a bind? Or do you think, like a lot of others, 2020 is looking pretty good for him? Um, I don't think he's flirting it with it because he thinks it's in a bind. He thinks it's the way that he can can roar to victory. Um, I'm personally watching 2020 warily. The new conventional wisdom is that Trump is in a very good position and that it will be difficult to defeat him. So I suppose being a born contrarian, I should say the reverse now. Yes. Well, it would have been right last time. <laughs> That's right. All right. Thanks, Jacob. Let's talk again Thank soon. Thank you, Freddie. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed that episode of Americano. And I'd like to encourage you all to give us your feedback positive comments or constructive comments only, please, to podcast at spectator.co.uk and say anything you like there as long as it's reasonably polite.